You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Welcome to Sagas and Sass Season 3, brought to you by Geek Saga Entertainment. I'm Tara, along with fellow hosts Nick, Jonathan, and Nami. This episode is going to focus on the series that technically brought us together, George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire. If you're watching live, join us in the chat, or after the fact, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass, or email us at sagasandsass at gmail.com to continue the conversation. First, we want to remind our listeners where they can find us as individuals. You can always find me on uh, Twitter and other places as either uh, at Nick Popio, at Sharply Dressed, or I think those are actually the only two I have, so I'll leave it there. <laughs> find me on YouTube and Instagram at uh, Nami Sparrow, and you can find me on Twitter, I think I'm still Nepo Nami cosplay there. And as I am a middle-aged bloodite, I don't really have a social media presence of any kind other than Facebook and my friends. And also, for those of you watching this live or possibly listening to this as a podcast, because I can only do so much editing, Jonathan, lucky him, is on vacation right now. Hence the no video and the sound being a little bit choppy, but we're hoping his internet connection will improve and not degrade <laughs> degrade. <laughs> degrade throughout this uh anyway you can find me tara on facebook instagram tiktok and twitter at a geek saga hi branding but don't forget that we now have a patreon with 10 tiers ranging from one dollar a month to forty dollars a month it offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return in fact i recently updated some of our tiers including new perks for our three dollar per month guard tier and for all tiers from $5 a month on up, including early access to the new Geek Saga podcast series, which is my other uh, show, Hot D Takes, which will cover HBO's House of the Dragon episode by episode. So you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. As usual, we want to remind everyone that the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. Okay, so as we mentioned, this is our 50th yay, episode. Yay. I cannot believe that we had, I can't believe we've done this many episodes, uh, honestly. It, it seems like it should have been more maybe, but I don't know. It also seems like a lot. So we wanted to do something special. And in this case, I decided that we really needed to finally talk about a Song of Ice and Fire, because it is, as Jonathan mentioned at the very beginning, technically the series that brought us all together. So I actually met Nick first out of everyone mm -hmm. here. Uh, Nick, you and I met at DragonCon 2012 when we cosplayed Cersei and Jamie in a small group for a photo shoot that only had one person per character, right? It, it was mm -hmm. a private thing. And uh, wow, though, there there was there were very few Game of Thrones cosplays at DragonCon as a whole that year, even outside of our little group. But the Game of Thrones stuff, cosplay stuff everywhere, but particularly at DragonCon, really exploded yeah, after that year. And also, like, I cries in we haven't seen each other mm -hmm. in person since DragonCon 2013 when we did 
modern Cersei and Jamie on the first night of the convention. And I think that was the only time I even saw you that year either. But yeah, so that's that's how we met. And I guess like, what do you, what are your thoughts, remembrances, et cetera? So and mostly I just have wonderful memories of those two years of Dragon Con. Sadly, I haven't been back. Well, did I go back and anyway? Yeah, I think 2013 was my last year that I've been able to go. And then the last few years when I wanted to try to go, COVID happened. And so that messed everything up. But hopefully I'll get there again. Anyway, uh, it was amazing. Like that first year, that was right after the um, the show had debuted. And I mean, we knew that it, it was going to be big, but like, the amount that it exploded over the next couple of years was just absolutely bonkers. Like, wow. So it's kind of cool that like we got to do that so early on and made that connection. And then like, obviously it's continued, even though we haven't seen each other since 2013, we've talked for years and uh, then we got to start doing this show together, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I remember when I put out the, post about this show I, I mean we were deep it, it was I didn't want to say deep into COVID it was it was uh, toward the not the end but you know what I mean it was, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, was, it was it was August or September of 2020 so things had loosened up quite a bit right mm -hmm. we weren't all stuck at home all the time anymore that sort of thing but yeah I put out the word saying I would like to do a, ser a, a webcast series where we talked about uh, one book series at a time and took mm -hmm. our time going through them, et cetera, et cetera. And you were the first person who bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was like, oh shit, yay! Because again, we hadn't seen each other in forever. And also like, I, I think, cause I was living in South Carolina the first however many years we knew each other and you're mm -hmm. in North Carolina, not too, too far away. And I know we had always talked about meeting up at the Ren Fair or whatever, but, but yeah, it's crazy that we haven't seen each other in that long and may hopefully soon, hopefully soon in person, yes. but it's been really, really great, like catching up. And even though we do not talk about Song of Ice and Fire on this show, usually. So it's, it's been a long, however many years that we've known each other. But I, like I, like you said, it was so cool being part of something so small. And I mean, Dragon mm -hmm. Con was pretty small back then too. I, I think that this year at Dragon Con, it's actually going to be about the size that it was the first mm -hmm. year we met. So that's going to be interesting, bigger than last year, but not what it's been the past few years. So I'm pretty excited for that. But okay, so moving on. Next, I actually met Jonathan when he started attending Ice and Fire Con in, I think, 2015, right, Jonathan? Because you, you went to Ravenwood. Correct. I was there for the last year of Ravenwood. I'm trying to remember if it was, how many years did you do Ravenwood? Three? Yes, yeah. Okay, so it was the last, definitely the last year of Ravenwood. Um, I heard about your convention originally listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, and some of the principles of that podcast attended, and it sounded like fun, and, and, and I've been a long-time convention goer, and then the second year they went, it sounded like even more fun, and finally the third year I, I bit the bullet and said, okay, what the hell, let's go to Ohio, and uh, 
I've, I haven't missed one since, and hopefully we'll not miss one again. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, even the virtual ones, we had the virtual ones, so I count so it's those. A great, it's a great time, and while we met that first year, I don't think we really met until the second year I was there, which was actually in Virginia. I mean, we technically met at Ravenwood, but I spent almost the entire first year of the convention sitting in a room with Amin talking about uh, Song of Ice and Fire and, and some of us with a few other people. We basically sat in what was the library there for almost the entire convention. Uh, in theory, it was supposed to be one panel and we sat and talked for like 14 hours. So. <laughs> well, so ha that brings up the question, how did you find out about Ice and Fire Con? Well, it was it was through a podcast of Ice and Fire. Um, they, I would listen to their podcast. They would talk about they attended this convention, and that's how I found out about it. Yeah, I mean, I knew that, but I just I love <laughs> I love giving them a plug because they've got a really they've got a they were the first Song of Ice and Fire podcast, I believe. They actually say they were not technically the first. There was one that started a little before them and lasted like three episodes and gave up. Um, so they advertised themselves as the longest longest running. running. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, good for them. Good for them, though, that they're honest about that. Um, all right. Well, and last but not least, at all, Nami, I met you at DragonCon 2016. Correct. Yeah, 2016 sounds correct because I know that the year I went to the to Dragon Con was the first year I was officially 21, and that would okay. have been 2016. Is that math? I don't know what math is anymore. I yeah, no, you definitely went to Ice and Fire Con after we met at Dragon Con, but I met you at Dragon Con. I, I it could have been 2017, but I'm pretty sure it was 2016. No, and, I think it was 2016. Yeah, yeah, and it. Even though it was at Dragon Con, it was through a mutual, I mean, not somebody I speak with anymore, but it was at the time through a mutual friend who had been going to Ice and Fire Con for a couple years and I believe was one of our volunteers. He helped with, I don't I don't remember if he was an official volunteer at that point, but he helped us with like the performance contest and tourney maybe. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. It, it, he, he did at some point and it's hard, it's hard to piece together all those years, but I, I met you through a friend from Ice and Fire Con. So still technically, even though we met at Dragon Con and not even in Game of Thrones cosplay, because I remember the night we met, I was wearing Bunny Hutch Hunger Games Effie. <laughs> you were wearing Bunny Hutch Hunger Games Effie Trinket, and I was wearing Bunny Hutch um, Ezra Scarlet from Fairy Tale. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I did not remember it. I, I don't know fairy tale, and well, didn't really remember what you were wearing at all. But I do very clearly, and that's the fact that I remember anything from that night. Honestly, it's hilarious. Kind but, of a miracle, yeah. Well, no, but, the funny thing about that outfit though was that um, that was the year when somebody thought I was legitimately Ariana Grande. Oh yeah. <laughs> And it was one of the bartenders there. And so I didn't know what to say. So I signed a napkin for her and she gave me free drinks the rest of the night. 
Did you ever kind of tell her that you weren't? <laughs> or did you um, just... I think you just went with it. Yeah, why would you tell her otherwise? Yeah, Let I her don't, buy I don't you drinks. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't, I, why I, would I Arya and Negrante need drink butts for her, though? Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like I feel like she must have, she had to have figured it out by the end. Like, she had to. Like, I, she I just thought you were that. cute. Listen, I thank you, lovely bartender, from six years ago. I'm sorry that I deceived you so terribly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing if they were watching this and they were like, oh my God. <laughs> Some random person she from She wasn't Ariana Grande. <laughs> Could you imagine? And I bought her her drinks all night. That's how the whole thing like falls to pieces. (laughs) So Nami, again, like I said, even though we didn't meet in Game of Thrones cosplay or meet at Ice and Firecon, we met because of Ice and Firecon through a mutual friend uh, who I only knew from Ice and Firecon. But then you met Jonathan, obviously, at Ice and Firecon. Actually, did you? I, I can't remember when yeah. your first Ice and Fire Con was. So I feel like you guys might have actually met at Com- at San Diego Comic Con. I don't know that we met at Comic Con, but I definitely met Jonathan at Ice and Fire Con um, 2018. And okay. I remember this very clearly because that was my first Ice and Fire Con, and I was hella missing my mother. And for those of y'all who don't know, Jonathan's wife, Anna, is the sweetest woman ever and I like sort of like glued myself to her mom energy the first night I got there and we just drank a lot of wine together and I cried on her and I was like oh my god mother and she's like okay <laughs> yes we, we 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 all stand Jonathan and Anna in this house Anna is the best <laughs> so we we were Anna was at the bar with you when I walked in and I coming from panels where Anna doesn't usually tread nearly as many panels as I do when I came back late at night and you guys were chatting at the bar. That's what we met. So. Yep, Specifically yep. on the right-hand side of the bar. Okay. Oh. Yeah, you got so many details there. I don't remember things because he doesn't drink. <laughs> he remembers I mean, specific. <laughs> In fairness, though, like it's not like I remember things when I don't drink. Like I just, I just don't remember things. No, yes, I'm Sam. Sam, I can't remember <laughs> what I did two days ago, let alone six years ago or whatever. Uh, I, I find memory just weird. There's things I remember, like they were yesterday that happened two or three years ago, and then I can't remember something I did 20 minutes ago. So, so then, even though Nami and Nick have not met in person yet, and neither have Jonathan and Nick, uh, in the height of the Panini, and I say height, and, and we already talked about this a minute ago, It's it wasn't really the height, but whatever. I'm saying it that way because it sounds fun. In the height of the Panini, we all came together to form this webcast, and we truly bonded over the Grishaverse. <laughs> which, to be honest, I think that I have a lot of you know, Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones friends who really love the Grishaverse. So I, I do think that's still like a common ground. Um, but yeah, let's get into our Song of Ice and Fire discussion. And we're going to kick it off 
by talking about our favorite book in the series. And I, I have very specific orders that I want to go in because I'm super type A and there's a lot of favorite this, favorite that here. And I want everybody to get a chance to go first and last and et cetera. So uh, I'm going to kick it off. My favorite book is A Feast for Crows. Clash of Kings is second, although per the ruling of the People's Court of Westeros at Ice and Firecon 2019, I recognize Night of the Seven Kingdoms as being amazing as well. But my yes, my favorite book in the main Song of Ice and Fire series is A Feast for Crows. Uh, for actually, for the longest time, it was A Clash of Kings, which most people I feel like most people really love Storm of Swords, and I, it's not the bottom of my list. That's Dance of Dragons, <laughs> but I didn't love A Feast for Crows the first time I read it. I don't even know that I loved it the second time I read it. But then, or the third, or the fourth, I don't know. It was somewhere <laughs> I, I did the Boil Leather reread where you combine Dance of Dragons and Feast for Crows, and that really turned me off from both of those books for a while. Yes, it is. I would absolutely recommend that every Song of Ice and Fire fan do it once, but that really turned me off from both those books for a while because <laughs> the there, there were a lot of, it was mostly like the Sam and John chapters were like back to back, obviously, and talking about the same things. And I was like, ugh, ugh. And I love Sam. I love Sam <laughs> so much. And I'm, yeah, John's fine, whatever. I don't, I don't hate him. I don't love him. He's just kind of there brooding in the background um, or the foreground, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, but after I did oh, the Boiled Leather reread, the next time I reread the series, it was something weird where after doing that combination reread and then rereading it in order, in publication order in publication. again, I was just like, holy shit, uh, A Feast for Crows is amazing. Now, I always loved the Dorn parts of that book. I'm not super big on the Iron Islands parts. And even now, I'm not super big on the Iron Islands chapters in that book. Like Aaron, Dampere, whatever. But yeah, I, I, I really came to love Feast for Crows on my like eighth, ninth. <laughs> I reread them again the end of last year through the beginning of this year and and it's st it's stuck it still sticks i think it's i think it's because of my favorite pov character partially but yeah i love the feast for crows a lot so what is your favorite book jonathan also a feast for crows um because it has you say three favorite characters but i will say i have four favorite characters because one of those favorite characters is such a minor character, but I still absolutely love her, is General Lannister. Uh, I absolutely love that scene with General Lannister. I think she's great. And I absolutely hated Feast for Crows the first time through it. Um, <laughs> and I, I hated it because it was supposed to have Arya and Tyrion and all these other characters I love. And they weren't there. And um, it wasn't until years later, well, probably two years later, when it was clear that A Dance of the Dragons was not coming out anytime soon, that I reread Feast for Crows and realized, okay, this is awesome. And the, the backstory and the Ariane Martell, adding to the Martell history, and mm -hmm. it was just wonderful. So I also think A Feast for Crows was the best book. And I think probably my second favorite is the original Game of Thrones just because it got me into the series. I'm 
Interesting. Interesting. What about you, Nami? So I also have the Jonathan answer, but kind of backwards. So my favorite book is actually the original Game of Thrones because I, when it comes to rereading, I usually run out of time or get distracted in the middle of my A Song of Ice and Fire rereads. So I'm pretty sure I have read Game of Thrones like 30 plus times at this point because that's the one that I always reread and I'm like, ah, yes, this. Also, because I read the book initially so long ago, it wasn't common knowledge, you know, that Ned Stark dies, that like, you Same. know, that, like that like this book, this story starts like, la-di-da, regular old fantasy. Oh, by the way, collect your corpses, bitch. And I still like... I still remember like the impact of that happening while I was reading that book and being like, what? They killed the main character. And like, like I cite like a few literary things or like media things like that. And like, if you're an anime person, you know, Madoka, um, quick spoilers. If you don't want to know about this sort of zone out for the next 30 seconds, but Madoka, everybody knows the end of episode three, when mommy gets her head chopped off and you're like, shit, this is magical girls with murder. Like there are, there stakes here you know and you could come back if you cared about modica spoilers i don't know how <laughs> what series is that it's called modica magica it's an anime series it's okay okay yeah it's really it's really pretty and it's really cute and you should watch it and um nothing terrible happens at all no way <laughs> listen we're talking about a song of ice and fire so i i don't think yeah. we need to pad things here about, well, the, about the other thing, things we watch where terrible things happen <laughs> well the funniest thing is that like both like in a very different way i didn't expect ned stark to die when i read the series because he's the main character like nobody expected that yeah. and just as people had that shock value when they watch the show for the first time i had that with the book and like obviously people don't get that anymore because that's like you know it's it's like the commonplace knowledge of like luke i am your father like oh ned stark dies like nobody like that's the one spoiler that everyone gets you know and i feel like in a way Monica has like sort of like kept that spoiler like anyone in an anime community knows about Monica, but if you're not in an anime community that show is absolutely unhinged and it's really funny because <laughs> yeah. I watched it in like the first like month or like month after it was fully released and my friend was like, Yeah, you should watch this cute show. And to this day, I would still like to stab them. But <laughs> Nick Nick knows. I could tell who yeah. watches anime here. But yes, so then obviously I, I do maintain that like if I have to pick an actual favorite that isn't, you know, sort of like me being held hostage by the book I read the most, it is also <laughs> a Booster Crows because Wow. Well, what about you, Nick? Last but not least, are you going to be our detractor? I am. I, for me, it was A Clash of Kings. Okay. Well, that's not totally I mean, distracting. That's that's like a slight yes, switch yeah. on, on me. because Yeah, Clash absolutely. So, like, like, holy shit. That book had everything. You've got the Red Wedding. You've got... No, that's Joffrey. Storm of Swords. That's Storm of Swords. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. wow. I'm over here... I'm over here giving the wrong summary. Damn. Clash Damn. of Kings is uh Storm of Swords is what I meant to say. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, then, well then you're you're total detractor. Yeah, I am the detractor. That's I that's what I meant to say because I am a detractor. <laughs> I am not like the twist of you. It just it, that book was wild. I will say I do completely agree with Nami. Like Game of Thrones 
that was such a unique experience, I think. Um, I read it kind of just before the show happened or like when the show was announced, um, I started reading the series and when Ned is killed at the end is, was just like, what the fuck did I just read? Um, and then I think a storm of swords kind of like ups that. Yeah. And goes just completely fucking wild. Also, the immense satisfaction of the moment when Joffrey dies. Like, whole, I don't know if there's ever been another character that I so desperately wanted to die and then got to have that moment of, like, yes, they're fucking done. That was beautiful. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, for me, like Game of Thrones, I, I, it, it is my third, I think. No, that's not right. It's it's my fourth. Storm of Stars is my third. Game of Thrones is my fourth. A Dance of Dragons is last. <laughs> a Dance of Dragons doesn't even um, register on my list because I just, I just don't like to think about it. Yeah, it's too much Tyrion. But um, Tyrion, will you please shut up? Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. But but Game of Thrones was. It, for to be honest, for me, it took me half the book to really get into it. Like I was just slogging through it. Like it wasn't bad. Like I loved the mm -hmm. descriptiveness. I loved, you know, I loved a lot of the characters kind of from the start. But it was just even though things were happening, it just felt like a lot of plodding through stuff to get to the actual stuff that happened. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't. I think until, I mean, when Ned got in the fight in in uh, King's Landing with Jamie and mm -hmm. Jamie killed Jory, I was like, the fuck? Okay, so this is different. And then you get to Ned dying, and I'm like, that was, I, to be honest, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, no, they lied. <laughs> he didn't actually die. This is a fake out. This is a fake out. Because, like, they used a body just, double or something. You see it, well, you see it from like Sansa. You see, from Arya's point of view, mostly, I, I think, and 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 it's just dump people's back on; it'll be fine. It really <laughs> wasn't until you know the Sansa, the, the next Sansa chapter, like after he dies, there I was like, oh shit, he's really dead. What the hell, man? Yeah, he's dead, dead. He's dead, dead. Not he's he's not a he's not like what, what is it from Princess Bride? He's not just sort of dead. He's not yeah. kind of dead. He's like entirely, completely dead. So, all right. Well, now that we've said our favorite books, next we're gonna go into our favorite house. So, Jonathan, you get to go first. What is your favorite house in Game of Thrones, and why? Or Song of Ice and Fire, sorry. So, I think based on the books alone, I like Martell the best. Um, <laughs> I am absolutely fa no. most fascinated by where that storyline is going. So I think that's why they're my favorite house. Because um, I find their, their potential storyline in the book series the most interesting to me. Which is funny because they're probably almost entirely a red herring 
I, I understand that, but for some reason I, I, I I'm hooked on that herring. They got me hooked, line, and sinker. <laughs> Fishing puns. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> also, so, I need you to know that my brain went a different way and started to sing hooked on a feeling, but like hooked on a herring instead. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, write that filk. What about you, Nick? Favorite house? Uh, so, like Jonathan and, uh, well, I won't spoil anybody else's uh, favorite houses, but uh, I I really loved getting that insight into the, um, wow, my brain is not fucking working. Martells? Right the Martells. Yes, thank you. Uh but I don't feel like I've gotten enough of them from the books to fall in love with them. And the series was just horrendous to them. So at least as of when we're recording this, I got to go with the Tyrells. I love them. Oleana, fucking queen. Just, I really enjoy that house. And, you know, be. I feel like they value aesthetics a lot, which is kind of my vibe. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if I were going to belong to a house, I think I would belong to House Tyrell. Well, and I think the great thing about House Tyrell is that we learn quite a bit about them, but it's always through other characters. So mm -hmm. we don't actually have to really see into their heads and possibly learn to dislike them <laughs> be disillusioned by them yeah so i mean and there are some great fucking characters in house tyrell i i mean i i love garland garland Ty tyrell is one of my favorite mm -hmm. minor characters if his wife leanna fossaway is in a green apple fossaway uh i will riot <laughs> <laughs> i think that might be the one question i would actually want to ask george if i ever got to ask him a very specific question was you gotta tell me, please, which Fossaway house was Leonette in? Because if it's not green, I will riot. Because she's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of minor characters, like that, I'm also obsessed with from House Tyrell, like Willis. Like I love Willis. Yeah. And his like basically the whole house is. Yeah. I'm just like, I love them all. Yep. I mean, we have to imagine that Willis, like Willis, got grievously injured in a tournament by Oberyn Martell and his whole family's all pissy about it and Willis is like whatever he's still my bud <laughs> like cool? I know he didn't do it on purpose like he's yeah. still my bud we still talk we write we, we're pen pals <laughs> like <laughs> raven what pals a, whatever what an actual reasonable human being in this fantasy setting <laughs> like yeah. what is it wild that I like him just because he's a reasonable human being? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> not in not in this series, really. Um well I'll I'll go next. So my I, I'm I'm and I I feel like this is gonna again, Nick might be the detractor, but just based on what I know about Nami. But Martel, Martel, the <laughs> we do not recognize the show travesty and ruination of House Martel. We do not recognize it. <laughs> I love their house words. I love the dichotomy of Doran being 
the level-headed dude who actually has this whole plot and has been, you know, sitting back and working on it for decades or, or well, a decade, more than a decade, whatever. I love Oberyn for everything Oberyn, <coughs> even though he kind of screws up in the end by getting too hot-headed, but that's also something I very much identify with. Everything about them I love, because I, I do very particularly identify with the dichotomy of Doran versus Oberyn, because I feel like I have both those parts in me. And then we get Ariane, Princess in the Tower, and God, the, the Sand Snakes, they're all so badass. And I just, there's just nothing not to love. And again, like I said, I do not recognize show travesty version of House Martell in my house. So, <laughs> Nami, what about you? Martell, 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 Martell. <laughs> I have a snake tattoo on my leg because of how much I love the Martells. Also, like, I hyper fixated on them, obviously, because, you know, first brown people in high fantasy and their whole culture was described as being heckin' awesome to women. So I was like, yes, here for that. And then, of course, you have, like, um, just, like, in a way, I found Gloria to sort of be, like, an antithesis of Caitlin Stark, which is a bit odd to say, but hear me out, hear me out, right? Like, Aloria is Oberyn's paramour right now, and she know that Oberyn has had past lovers, and, like, Oberyn do be a man whore, and she's okay with it. And not only does she have her, her daughters through Oberyn, who are the Bibsnicks, but she loves and appreciates Oberyn's older daughters through other paramours in a way that Caitlyn Stark could fucking never. I really love that about her, and, like, just, like, the whole fact that, like, the Martell's whole ideology is, like, we don't harm women and kids in a world that doesn't give a fuck. And I was, like, yes, yes, yes. And, like, just, like, literally the moment, like, ever since I heard about, like, the tragedy of Princess Elia, what happened to her, I'm, like, it's me, I'm Team Martell, and I love them. And then I found out they were all brown, and it's, like, it's me, I'm Team Martell, and I love them. And then I found out that they love women and children, and that they wanted to put, their, their whole thing is they want to put Marcella on the throne now. And I'm, like, oh, hells yes, Queen Marcella, let's go, let's go. And then we got an Arian POV, and I was, like, hells yes, like, Queen in the Tower, like, doing her... Thing. Like, is she not that great at it sometimes? Oh, absolutely. But, like, nobody in this book is actually objectively good at anything. So, like, I, I forgive her and all of her faults, just as I do forgive all of the women their wrongs because, because hell yes. But, <laughs> sorry, if you're interested in more of me forgiving women's wrongs in um, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, you should check out one of the panels that I did with a couple of my very good friends. And we did a panel about um, women and their agency in the Song of Ice mm. and Fire. And you can actually find that on the Ice and Fire Con uh, YouTube page. So you should all check that out, especially because those friends uh, are awesome. Yeah, if you want to check out a great panel on women and agency in Song of Ice and Fire, Google Ice and Fire Con YouTube and check out the Ice and Fire Con 2022 playlist. I should probably add, though, that my second favorite is the Tyrells for the same girl power reason, just because I feel like the show especially just pulls together this idea of the Tyrell Cousin Club being like supported ladies for all of the other ladies in the family and i'm just like yes i love it imagine how cersei could have thrived if she had this 
<laughs> I love Cersei so much, but she's so bad. She's basically the worst. And speaking of characters, absolutely. And speaking of characters, favorite characters. So what we're gonna do here is I want y'all to give your top three favorite characters you are welcome to briefly mention favorite minor characters because we do also stand minor characters in this house and then also please talk about your favorite pov character if that character is different from your top three favorite characters so nick your turn to go first so my favorite characters are more or less in order sansa brienne and jamie and my favorite POV character is Jamie, uh, mostly because I feel like we get to see so many really interesting, fascinating things through his eyes. Favorite POV character is hard for me because I agree. Jamie, yeah. Jamie is up there. He also, I think, has one of, at least in terms of the books and where we are with the books, I think he has one of the best character arcs in terms of really like breaking out of some extremely abusive situations toxic mindsets and he's not a great guy still but he's so much has changed and i'm really interested to see like if you were going to ask me the thing that I'm most interested in seeing in the next book. It is probably honestly seeing where Jamie's development goes in the books versus where it went in the show. Because one of the things, and I know we're not really talking about the show that much on here, but one of the things that, obviously there's tons of things to be pissed off about in the, particularly in the second half of season eight, but the way they just completely discard his entire character arc in the last like two episodes was, was just outrageous. like, what the fuck? Honestly, what the fuck? And again, I don't want to be like, oh, Jamie's the best, but like also it was such a waste. And so just like, wow, you just did not give a shit. And of course they also did a huge disservice yeah. to Daenerys and to other characters, but like, God damn. And I'll talk about some of the other things that I'm excited to learn more about in the future when we get to some of the other prompts. But character-wise, that's where I'm at. All right, Nami, what about you, fave characters? Okay, so my uh, my top three are very much girl power uh, because <laughs> because they are Sansa, Arianne, and Marjorie. Uh, um, Arya would have made this list when I like first started, but Sansa has replaced her because... I did that thing where I was like, oh, wow, girls can be strong without holding a sword. And, <laughs> you know, you know, mind wholly blown because because children. Um, but yeah, <laughs> those, are, those are they're my favorite. Um, pretty sure I already explained Arianne. Um, Marjorie, I love her because, yeah, no, she's just out here thriving. And I just like I see like her as like kind of like like. The queen bee, but in a not terrible way, because the queen bee she's trying to overthrow is like literally the worst ever, the worst. And I enjoy her a lot. And all I want for her is old age, when she can also become Elena. Um, but you know, uh, 
show makes me think she's not getting old, but but a girl could hope. And then I love Sansa because because well, yeah, she's the one that really taught me that like you know real strength does not need to be like in being everything like masculine. She's the one that taught me that you can have skill and strength in femininity and in being soft and believing in fairy tales and in believing in stories and that you could still like have that power and that sometimes the power to endure is more important than like a lot of other things. Um, from a, from a former depressed kid, like Sansa kind of actually got me through a lot of shit. Cause it was like, Hey, like she can get through this. So you can get through this too, which is, yup. Yup. There it is. Um, all right. We're gonna, we're gonna run away from, from those emotions. Bye emotions. Don't want them. <laughs> Nick is raising his hand. I don't know if that's like a oh, that's wanna... so polite. Yeah, because I don't want to jump in on Nami's like this, these are my favorite characters things. But like two things I wanted to talk about real quick, based on what you were saying. One is on Sansa. One of the things that actually drove me to love her more, like I was already loving her, but one of the things that drove me to love her more was the amount of hate that she got and how undeserved that hate is. Fuck you if you Snaps. hate Sansa. Snaps. You are basically a sexist person who believes that the only way that a woman can be a strong character is by committing violence. Fuck all the way off. Secondly, Marjorie is a fucking queen, and I hope she gets better than she got in the series. Although, admittedly, I understand that part of the reason why she died in the series was because um, Natalie Dormer wanted off the show so she could pursue other things. So that might have been less i i don't know why they chose the path that they did for marjorie but uh i know that that at least somewhat influenced that decision I mean, she's not a queen she's the queen <laughs> so there's still hope is what i hear yes. but um Con continuing my Tyrell obsession, I do have to say that my favorite minor character, as I already mentioned earlier, is Willis. And I live in the fantasy land of what would have actually happened if Sansa and Willis were able to get married and live happily ever after in Highgarden with all their flowers and how cute that would be. But like, Loki Haiku just love Willis and like this really sweet lad who was like, ah, yes, I have been maimed by horse, but 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 horse maiming friend is still my friend because that was clearly not intentional duh like like what a good lad what a, what a sweet what lad, a good lad. Also, also i'm always here for like you know disability rap and like willis is just out here doing it and i'm really upset he wasn't on the show but also at the same time i'm kind of glad he wasn't because i don't want to know how they would have messed that up too <laughs> i don't know yep. if they're ever gonna if we're ever gonna see him in person in the books either to be honest which is probably why he was cut from the show is, is yeah, a girl can dream, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, like after the whole world is burnt down, like Sansa will run into Willis one day and be like, oh! and he'll be like, oh! and they'll be like, oh! <laughs> that's that's that 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 sound, by the way, that like um uh throat that that my throat is destroyed from being miscellaneous non-COVID sick gasp is what what I think romance sounds like. So there y'all go. <laughs> Uh, fave POV character, though. So this is a bit out of left field, but my fave POV character is actually Cersei because I just love seeing how unhinged she is. Like, <laughs> like, she is not here at all, and she is not having a good time. And there's something immensely satisfying and entertaining about reading that. 
because like as much as I say that Cersei is one of my favorites she's not my favorite person she's my favorite character so seeing her suffer does indeed spark joy and <laughs> seeing all the things that she does to herself because she's absolutely insane it's like really really entertaining it's it's very it's very good storytelling it's it's just so fun um I don't leave a Cersei chapter unentertained, and I always leave a Cersei chapter going, what the fuck unhinged shit did I just read? Yeah, I mean, I I both love and hate her chapters, because you're right, it's good writing. But also at the same time, it's like, oh my god, you are so dumb right now. Like, stop, stop being so... I feel like Sorry. I read Cersei chapters in the same way that I watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, I've resigned <laughs> myself that these are terrible people. I've resigned to myself that these are terrible people and they're always going to make the stupidest decisions and things are never going to go correctly for them because they are bad people and it's entertaining. It's like, it's like the entertainment that I get from watching, like, like if if Trump owned a dumpster and that was the dumpster that was on fire that led to the dumpster fire meme... That is the same entertainment that I get from reading Cersei chapters and from watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's shitty people suffering and making terrible choices for themselves as you look at them and go, why are you making such terrible choices? That's obviously wrong. And they go, correct. I love this take. I love this yeah. analogy to It's Always Sunny. I love you. So Jonathan, what about you? Favorite favorite characters, favorite POV characters, so, et cetera, et cetera. So, so my, favorite, my favorite character is Arya. But that's probably because I'm the total sucker for PTSD impacted teen killers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> going to the Hunger Games and the, the TV series or, and movie Hannah or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, all of them that I love. Anyway, I think Jamie is my other favorite character and my favorite POV character. I think he's had the best story arc just so far. And he sort of, my reading of the books is. One of the themes of Martin is, even though he's deconstructed fantasy, there is a serious, a serious line of characters who are trying to undergo redemptive arcs, and Jamie has the most is most along and in that process uh, of the other. I, I think Sir Barristan is also attempting to redeem himself for his own decisions, and there are some others. And there are some who don't give a damn about redemption. But, uh, anyway, Ariane is my third favorite character, and then. And that's in the book. If we're going show, it's Elena, and um, basically because that was my first crush. Uh, you know, Diana Ray <laughs> from the Avengers was my first crush, especially as embarrassing as it is to admit it. In the uh, episode where she was in the Hellfire Club, um, and uh, had a snake around her and some in some an outfit that was banned from TV in England for th- almost thirty years. Uh, and then the minor character I mentioned, Jenna, who I just, that one scene is, I think, my all-time favorite in all the books with her too. Oh, so. yeah. J- Jenna Lannister is great. Um, so for me, my top three characters have not, despite, I don't I can't count how many times I've reread these books. It's, for the earlier books, it's been at least a dozen. For the later books, maybe a couple less. But uh, for me, my favorite characters haven't really changed all that much. Sandor. I fucking love Sandor. Um, That might be also like a weird obsession with like PTSD dude who is very angry. And Sansa. 
Yes, I yes, I was a San San Stan. I, I get the implications. I don't agree with the age difference, et cetera, et cetera. But <laughs> whatever. It is what it is. And Hey, we're we're allowed to like things that are problematic as yeah. long as we don't believe As long that. as we as long as we know they're problematic and we're not exactly. like Yeah. So so Sandor exactly. Sansa and weirdly enough, when I read a Game of Thrones I didn't like Sansa when I read A Game of Thrones because she's very much portrayed like the first time you see her is through Arya's eyes and on on the first read when you're kind of rushing or for me when I was kind of rushing through it it really seemed like oh Arya is the cool girl who's like badass and she wants to go like play swords with her brother and do archery and stuff and Sansa's just there sewing and shit and then everything happens with Joffrey and the wolves and all that stuff and Sansa looks like the bad guy quote unquote because she doesn't she 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 basically can't tell what actually happened because she's so fucking scared right but like what on my first read of a game of thrones it was like oh jesus what the hell sansa like you didn't just talk like you didn't just say the things but again going back and and once i got through clash of kings honestly and then eventually when i went back and reread a game of thrones you see it through or i saw it through such a different light where sansa was in in the first chapter in Arya's first POV chapter where Sansa's actually like very kind and she's like being very political I guess I, I don't even want I, I don't even want to say she's she's really just being kind to like I think it's Beth Cassell and Jane Poole like she's like trying to teach them how to needlework and because you're seeing it through Arya's eyes if you're reading it too quickly it looks like Sansa's being rude, but actually she's not at all. And then later you see that she's so scared of being shoved in front of the king and queen. And she does want this thing with Joffrey so much, even though he was bad, whatever. It's just, a, it's a lot of, it took me getting through Clash of Kings and then going back and rereading Game of Thrones to realize I had the completely wrong vision of Sansa and a a lot of that was me reading through the first book too fast I think and I think I think the other thing that I I will give credit where credit's due like when Sansa like as as a sister Sansa's not always the greatest sister because she does bully Arya and like she is not the best sister to Arya but she is genuinely trying to be a better person or like she's genuinely trying to be a kind person and i think that's a really interesting dichotomy because like for for a lot of like game of thrones like because you are seeing so much through Arya's pov like sansa is is not a good sister she isn't and i i do actually like that about her because like like she grows from that too you know Mm -hmm. and i think as much as as much as god i hated the despicable season eight the one thing that I did enjoy about that was how they were both so good at being sisters now that they were okay with like playing off that obvious animosity that everyone thinks they must feel for each other while secretly having each other's backs like the whole time because they know that's what actually matters now. Like that was the thing that I can't believe I'm saying this, but season eight did get something correct and it was that. 
There were some good things in season eight, but they also then destroyed everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Sansa turned out to be one of my favorite characters very quickly, actually. Like, it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't take me that long. But, well, and also, like, it's not even that I regret not liking her at first, because I do think that we're not supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the way she's portrayed, we're not supposed to. But if you don't like Sansa, like like Nick said, if you don't like Sansa, you suck. The end. Uh, yep. Jamie is my. If you my... don't like Sansa after book one, you are reasonable. If you don't like Sansa at yes. all, ever after seeing everything, you're a garbage dirtbag, and I will bury you in the ground with my fists. Uh, but like Nick said, Jamie also great. So he's my third favorite character. I don't know, like I don't know how much I agree about the idea of like a general character arc for him because like. There's some things you can't come back from. And I'm talking about pushing Bran out of a window, right? Like, I... Child don't. murder is a little bit point of no return. It happens uh, early, though, y'all. Like, he can it, come back. He can redeem. We, we, we don't need to talk about the bad show, right? But yeah. I, I do love Jamie. And the reason I love Jamie is because we got his POV chapters. And if we'd never gotten those, I wouldn't have felt this way about him. But... Yeah, see, like seeing into his head was what made me just as fucked up as he is, and he still is. I mean, let's not forget that in Beast for Crows or Dance of Dragons, I am blanking on which one it was. He threatens to throw Edmure Tully's baby over the walls of River Run via trebuchet. Yeah. Oh yeah, that Beast man's for crows. Still- yeah, that's the game we have at Ice and <laughs> we have mini trebuchets and we have mini babies and you can launch them over a wall yeah no Jamie's, Jamie has not exited his child murder phase but you know I love I Look, love everybody Jamie. has one character flaw <laughs> I love Jamie I love I love reading his chapters I love it so much uh, so real quick before I get into my favorite POV character my favorite minor character is Dolores Ed. By far, listen, dude is funny as fuck. His his he's so fucking quotable. He's so deadpan. He's so just sad about life. Hence his you know nickname Dolores Ed. Mm-hmm. I just I love him. He, my favorite thing of his is when he talks about how the cook Hob at castle black made this roast chicken and it was amazing you know it was stuffed with all these things and he's like because the whole thing started with i hate prunes and then hob made this chicken and it was this amazing chicken and it was stuffed with all these things it was like stuffed with oats and carrots and blah blah, blah and prunes and he says never trust a cook they'll prune you when you least expect it <laughs> in my opinion the dolorous ed's chicken in the feast of ice and fire cookbook is the best recipe in there i haven't made all of them but i have made that one several times because it's like it is fucking delicious the stuffing that you actually put in it like the carrots the oats the the prunes there's something about like the sweetness of the carrots and the prunes that just mm, it's perfect anyway random aside so favorite pov character for me actually though is Brienne. And I know that a lot of people hate Brienne's POV chapters, but for my part, there's something so, she's so strong 
and she's so good and she's so vulnerable and she is absolutely the truest knight of the series and again not the you know we we don't want to talk about the show too much but we are going to bring it up because it has to be brought up knight of the seven kingdoms when they knight her in that episode like especially because she's my favorite pov character and she just even though in the show they did her they did her wrong by making her kind of a murderer like immediately when in the books she doesn't actually ever kill somebody until she's defending herself and uh nimble dick crab and pod uh in in the i'm blanking on the, the, the area that they're in but like she's defending herself and her guide and her and her squire and that's the first time she's ever killed anybody and she's a mess about it right so even though in the show they kind of made her a murderer like immediately uh, maybe not murderer but killer immediately the episode as a whole was probably the best one of season eight and when they made her a knight it was just like i I, and also just because you know she's probably a descendant of dunk she repaints her shield based on a shield that she has seen in the castle on her island right and it's dunk's shield that she remembers so you know she's the descendant of dunk which makes sense because she's gigantic and i just i love all the things about brienne and i will not i will not stand for anybody saying her chapters are bad or boring She's great. She's great. And I love her. And I love reading her chapters. That is not the way I felt when I first read them. But the second time, and and that's a big part of the reason why Feast for Crows is my favorite, honestly. And I I, I was hesitant to mention that earlier and spoil my (laughs) on favorite POV character. But I fucking love Brienne's. So actually, interesting thing. So I was talking to somebody at Ice and Firecon this year, and she turned me on to a new ship, which is that I was telling her, you know, my problematic fave ship is Sansan. And she was like, have you considered Brienne and Sansa? And I was like, oh, my God, I have not. And she's like, yeah, well, is that problematic? Well, no. Well, Brienne and Sansa, like, ain't gonna happen. difference thing. but, But also, Brienne is 19. So she is still, yeah. Sandor is like thirty. Thirty, yeah. So it's it's already much better. And the other thing is, um, it's better if it's gay. I, yeah, that's I yeah. By and that. also, it's not Sandor. So. Exactly, and it's like Listen, it's like Sam. Sam is the problematic ship that I will always just. Yeah, Look, no, at least it's not Littlefinger and Sansa. Then I would have to fight you. Like, I need to just chuck them off the I, I know people who ship that and I, and whose favorite character is Littlefinger, and I just, I can't with them. My <laughs> husband cosplays Littlefinger very, very well. I might add, when he does the hair and when he does the whole thing, he is very tall, but otherwise very much looks like concerningly well concerningly well and i just am, every time i see him in it i'm like <laughs> like love this guy so attracted to him love him so much cannot stand when he wears yeah. that little finger costume like i just nope 
don't want it. And I, I did actually cosplay Sansa to his little finger for a very brief amount of time at Ice and Firecon 2019. And the best picture I have of the two of us, no, there's two. I have one where I'm chugging a bottle of champagne with him next to me being creepy. Like Sansa mm-hmm. has to drink to stand this. And the other one is I'm standing, or we're, we're standing with our friends Ellen and Greg who bring their corgis to Ice and Fire Con. <laughs> and they had their corgi, I can't remember if it's Ellen or Greg who had the who had uh, their, their corgi in their arms. I think it was their male corgi spitfire or whirlwind. I, I, I can't remember which one it was, but the corgi is like twisted around and I'm kissing, I'm kissing it. Like it's licking my mm-hmm. nose and mm-hmm. Dean as little fingers, like standing there next to me. And my forever caption for that is get her a dog. She'll be happy for it. Happier for it. <laughs> oh so, my God. You know, you know. Okay. So now we're going to dig into some theories. And mm. this is, I want to hear your favorite possibly slash, slash probably legitimate theory. R plus L equals J doesn't count. If, 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 if you guys don't believe that R plus L equals J is real, then we can't be friends probably. <laughs> and then I also want to hear if you have one, your favorite tinfoil theory. So Nami, you go first. Okay. So my favorite actual theory is, you know, um, classic Jamie kills Cersei. I love the idea of Cersei feeling, fearing Tyrion this whole last time, but it was Jamie. Dun dun dun. Yeah, no, love that. Big fan of that. Um, he, he, it, it's him. Nobody will ever change my mind. Um, and my favorite tinfoil theory is that R plus L equals J because everybody knows that's obviously fake. Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I I told myself I was like I was like you're gonna try to like poker face this and say it and then even as I was saying it I felt like a violent <laughs> like rejection from my body because I've always been an R plus L equals J and I was one of those people cheering when it like happened in the show and basically uh, my be- my favorite um like tinfoil theory is that Tyrion is secretly a Targaryen I believe I first heard this t- theory like in depth at like a San Diego Comic-Con panel that Tara was on where they were talking about theories. And I was like, this one, this one's mine. I like this one. And I cuddled it close and I held it near and dear to my bosom. And there it rests for all its days because I enjoy it conceptually. So my favorite possibly slash probably legit theory is Benjen New, capital B, capital K. Benjen New that R plus L equals J. I didn't actually know about this theory until kind of, not not kind of, it was a while ago, but it's it's been something that's been mentioned in a couple of podcasts that I've listened to over the years. And I just, it wasn't something I ever picked up reading the books myself, honestly. So I love that it is a theory that exists. And I the more I've listened to people talk about it, the more I realize that that's why he went into the night's watch, right? Like Eddard had to tell somebody, but also Liana and Benjen, from what we've kind of seen through Bran were pretty close as well. Cause I believe they were closer in age maybe than, than her and Ned were. I believe absolutely that, that Benjen knew that Rhaegar and Liana were together and birthed John, and that is why he is part of the Night's Watch. Now, I mean, maybe not the only reason, but 
it's certainly up there. My favorite tinfoil theory, I got to go with Chloe. Our, our friend Chloe, who is also on the Ice and Fire Con Small Council, close friend of mine, introduced me to my husband unknowingly years ago. Her favorite theory is that Ashara Dane didn't actually throw herself off a tower, but is married to Howland Reed and living happily in the neck with him. And she's the mother, Ashara Dane is the mother of... Uh, Mira and Jojim and honestly like the, the the only reason why this is my favorite tinfoil theory is because I love Chloe so much and she is so fucking into it <laughs> just like I just I gotta get behind you on this like I still think it's tinfoil even if she doesn't but it's 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 still my favorite theory I have to jump in three seconds because I forgot yep. my real favorite theory which I just messaged in all caps to you guys in our little private chat but it is the theory that only the targaryen girls can make dragons hatch and that dra if you sort of like track it back through all like the dragons that have happened they have all hatched four targaryen men who have been close to other women in their lives so these women were around that egg as well in theory so like the theory that an that um a dragon egg will only hatch in the presence of a woman is mm. yeah favorite. we talked about that on one of our comic-con panels yeah that's where i first learned that one i was like oh shit that's amazing and God, um also there was I can't remember if it was the theory or if there was another theory, but there was like a theory that had something to do with genetics and it might be that one, but I yeah, remember being, I think it's that one. It. It's, I think yeah. it's that one. Yeah. But yeah, it was really good. I, I enjoy that one. Okay. Bye. Sorry for cutting you off, Nick. I'm the worst. That's totally. Okay. You're not the worst. There's so <laughs> many people who are worse than you. <laughs> <laughs> I was real concerned there. I know. Uh, so my favorite theory that, uh, better end up being canon George R. R. Martin is that Jamie kills kill Cersei. Completely agree with Nami. Like, if that does not happen, that is just a wasted opportunity. What? They and don't it, get buried under like a pile of tiny rocks and somehow that the is actually fucking fact. <laughs> if they, if instead of Jamie riding off to just be with Cersei, Jamie had ridden off to fucking murder Cersei, I would have been like, fuck, yes. Steps kiss. But no, no, they did not do that. Also, and... never allowed to make Brienne cry. Not allowed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. How dare you? You are the worst. Uh, my favorite ten foil theory is that the in the books, the Night King will actually win. Uh, that he will actually be the undoing of all of this fucking mess that has been going on. And then people will have to like actually deal with the fallout of that and deal with like whether that's them coming together in a way that they never would have otherwise or whether there are just like really fucking serious, almost post-apocalyptic consequences to the Night King winning. I think that would be really cool to see. All right, Jonathan, what about you? So my favorite theory, and I really haven't seen it all that much, but it's my own theory, is that young Griff is actually completely legitimate. Um, 
I also think he's totally doomed, however. But um, I do think, I do believe he is le legitimate. <laughs> um, my favorite tin pot theory, which is completely fan fiction tin pot, is that the uh, seven are actually as guardians and the uh, others are <laughs> left over from their wars with the frost giants. In, um... <laughs> I mean, that is amazing. <laughs> All right, okay, throwing my old theories out the goddamn window. <laughs> so I just, I want to throw in on this whole Griff thing. If you were to have uh, Daenerys actually go mad, that could be a really compelling way to start that process. Having her kill off a legitimate threat to her rule either through direct action or allowing it to happen. And then you could actually start building for why she ends up becoming a mad queen versus it coming out of nowhere, essentially. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, whether or not he's legitimate, I think that he's actually he is actually going to be a big part of Daenerys going mad because he lands in Westeros before her and he's going to have allies, particularly in the Martells. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I do absolutely think that regardless of his legitimacy, Aegon is going to be part of her going mad. All that said... If you're watching this and you haven't watched Queens, which is our parody musical featuring music from six, but Song of Ice and Fire characters and lyrics, it is a love letter to the fandom. There is an interlude in that musical about Aegon Targaryen or featuring Aegon Targaryen uh, using Tinder, essentially, <laughs> to decide which queen he's going to marry and it's very it's 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 made very clear that he's not legitimate right through the dialogue but it's our friend daisy who played Aegon, like they were absolutely amazing and the, awesome. the whole thing and, and also our friend joy who plays varus they were just mwah, like the whole interlude is absolutely hilarious so if you haven't watched that please please do now Speaking of that, favorite fandom moments, and I'm just going to go for this because I've already like kind of talked about one of them, I guess. For me, <laughs> it's kind of obvious. Everything about Ice and Fire Con. Like, I'm trying to figure out how I can talk about this without getting emotion super emotional. Impossible. Just do it. Yeah. Not just the fact that I have met two of my closest friends, Jonathan, or well, Nami, I guess I didn't meet you at Ice and Firecon, but I met you because of it, right? Because I've I've met so many amazing people through Ice and Firecon, and it's fucking hard work, and it's stressful. But all the bad things that have kind of all the hard parts of it, right? They never, ever, ever come even close to overwhelming. The amazing parts of it, which is seeing this group of people come together who are such big fans. I would say 99% of the people who attend the convention have read the books, right? And the insane cosplay that we see and 
the Saturday night dance party where like sometimes I'm participating in and, and sometimes like in 2019, I remember sitting on the sidelines or maybe I wasn't sitting. I think I was actually leaning against a stack of chairs, but I was on the sidelines watching this giant circle of people who so many of them hadn't even known each other before the weekend. And they're all just dancing like crazy to current, you know, pop music, whatever, having a blast and nobody's judging anybody. And nobody like, we just have a really great group of people <laughs> over all the years. Like I, that's, that's, that's the one overwhelming thing about this event is that, it's so welcoming and everybody is so kind <laughs> and it's so much fun. Stupid. Like it's stupid fun, right? Like you're literally sitting outside watching people who have never done LARP before have like LARP sword fights, like just kind of waving shit around and like hoping they hit each other. And then like, the jousting, the pool noodle jousting, where you're riding a stick horse, smacking each other with pool noodles. And I will never not be overwhelmed by the amount of support that the fandom community has offered us. Recently, there was an article that was posted where it was like the first ever Game of Thrones convention. I only saw it posted on Twitter, so it might have been on Facebook, whatever, but the comments from people and the retweets and they're just like excuse me have you just completely ignored like these other conventions that have existed and like so many of them were about ice and firecon and but then also i got to be in these two musicals westeros being the first one which is a hamilton game of thrones parody and we did like a workshop of it in 2018 and then we did a full two-hour version that nami was also in in 2019 and it went kind of semi-viral and then we did queens this year and was planned for ice and firecon 2020 so we've been sitting on this shit i sat like all of us who are in the cast sat on, we signed ndas and sat on this shit for two and a half fucking years maybe longer i i can't remember the timing but just being involved in these things that are such love letters to the fandom like the references the just everything cosplay to me has always been kind of secondary right I have a blast doing it, but I actually have not cosplayed Song of Ice and Fire stuff outside of Ice and Fire Con for a very long time, even though that's how Nick and I met. So yeah, for me, it's it's just all, it's all of that. It's all of that. It's all of that. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, for me, partially because I, I haven't done ice and fire con and i haven't really done a whole lot of fandom things in a very very long time it's just getting to meet you and then subsequently you know obviously not directly but in part because of it getting to meet jonathan nami so that's well it. to be fair like even though my costume was like book cersei somehow i was the only cersei at dragon con that year like mm -hmm. We have some great pictures. <laughs> oh my gosh, we do. And then when we did our, like, the modern Game of Thrones group where we were, like, business people, Jamie and Cersei, yeah. with, and, and yeah. <laughs> good, really good memories. And I, I mean, really, like, the, especially 
our cosplay group, that was the earliest memory I have of being in this fandom in person. I, yeah. I had been in it online for years, but that was the first one I have of being in it in person. And the fact that the person who ran the cosplay group, our friend Kayla, was, I was like, listen, I'm not, I don't have the sewing skills to, because there were no patterns for Game of Thrones costumes at that point. So I was like, I don't have the sewing skills to make this shit. I'm making like a book Cersei costume. Are you mm -hmm. okay with this? And she said, yeah. And yeah, it, it, and I was super hungover. <laughs> And like drinking a Bloody Mary the entire time yep. photo shooting. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Nami, what about you? So obviously I some Paracon stuff as well. Like, you know, Westeros, the musical, I was in that as well, which was so fun. I still remember watching like the preview and it was me and a couple friends that I had not become close with because I had just met that year, but we were like, low-key heckling but like lovingly because we were also like huge Hamilton fans and theater people so it's just really really funny and then low-key we all joke that the reason we were in the musical next year is because they were like y'all are a fucking distraction at least be a distraction <laughs> <laughs> but um one of my fondest memories though is uh Game of Thrones or Ice and Firecon um 2019 and we watched the horrific all darkness war battle like this we have like a tradition of like when new episodes were coming out because like new seasons would come out around the same time that the convention would occur so we would end up watching like episode seven or eight depending on how the season fell on sunday of ice of icon and this was the first year that i was able to stay for that sunday and like account for that so i got we got to like watch the full darkness battle of like it's too dark and we can't see anything what the fuck is happening and yeah, i the, just the low quality like projector to screen Oh, yes. The funniest thing, of course, was watching that on the projector and being like, wow, the quality of this projector is extra bad this year. And then everyone going home and watching it and be like, no, no the it was just quality is just really bad. It's only like 10% better on a TV. <laughs> but yeah, just like everybody in that room together and like gasping and cheering and screaming at the same time was really amazing and like lovely. And also, so I'm a Sandy Edward Comic Con goer. I've been going with my dad and like, this is not so much a fandom thing because the reason um, my, my dad and I would watch Game of Thrones together. And so because of that, when we went to San Diego Comic-Con, we would always go to Hall H to try to catch the Game of Thrones panels. And so that was a good time. And my dad would camp out, you know, for like two days to get our tickets into Hall H. But we heckin' did it and we got to see some cool shit because of it. And that was always lovely. And then finally, um, the first time I really did um like Game of Thrones cosplay in public was actually at Dragon Con. And like Dragon Con has like got like cosplay gatherings at like this little park with an arch. And I just remember going there and it was so fun. And I still have a picture to this day of everyone in the show who had died up until that point doing the thriller dance together because we were all zombies and it was just really funny and sweet and I've met a lot of my bestest friends in the world through Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire and Ice and Fire Con so this book has a very dear place in my heart even though everyone dies <laughs> Alright Jonathan what about you? Favorite fandom moments? So Nami's uh, evening watching the uh, season 8 uh, Battle for Winterfell episode and then in my case, talking about it literally till 5.30 in the morning was epic. But yep, yep. ironically, a year before that, I did something similar. And a shout out to Haley Bowery and the Manimals, who 
held a combination burlesque concert and watch party concert being they played their album the seven which is a game of thrones themed album um and i would say it's not really fan fiction but it is fan fiction but uh of and it is not their best album so i i think multiverse is actually a much better album if you're a music fan and i want to sell and plug their their album because i i love their music um but they also had a watch party of the season seven finale in this uh quite honestly fire trap in brooklyn and that was actually the second um venue the first venue we got a text like three hours before we were supposed to be going there that the venue had changed and it was like the super secret party that we had to go to and then we entered this what i thought was literally a fire trap and i said oh my god if there's a fire we're all dead uh but and then after the watch party and the concert and the burlesque haley and all the, the ice and fire con alums who were there it was probably like 10 of us went and climbed up on this very rickety ladder up onto the roof of this fire trap and really <laughs> create you know we're now really dead if there was a fire um and and enjoyed ourselves and had some beers and well in my it case was just, diet coke it but a, uh it wasn't a song of ice and fire it was just a song of possible fire <laughs> yeah it was a song of possible fire uh there was no ice uh, but it, it was a really good time, and again, a plug for Haley's band, The Manimals. If and no, yeah, for sure, they are. If you've never listened to The Manimals, I love them. I've heard a lot of their other music, but I haven't heard their multiverse album, at least not in totality. But yes, for sure, if you're a Song of Ice and Fire fan, you absolutely need to listen to Seven by The Manimals. Um, it's so good and they are such fun great people and they are so they're so like integrated into the fandom i mean haley is in a relationship with uh zach who is one of the hosts of game of owns which is i think the first like true game of thrones show only podcast but yeah highly 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 suggest listening to their music particularly seven yeah. And and her podcast that she did, which was a, a drunken a drinking Game of Thrones Brooklyn, which basically discussed the show for the last few seasons, was hysterical and epic. Also, so if you want to go back and listen to people who are absolutely hammered riff on the show, it's pretty fun and entertaining. All right. Well, last but not least, you guys, House of the Dragon, aka Hot D, premieres this Sunday. What are you most looking forward to seeing? Nick, you get to go first this time. I'm just looking forward to some hot D, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love, I fucking love that they were using the hashtag HOTD yeah. on uh, Twitter, Twitter. And I don't know which fan started calling it hot D. <laughs> it might have been Chloe. It might have been somebody else. But the fact that somebody latched onto that and started calling it hot d is my favorite thing so i'm proud i'm so proud what i'm actually looking forward to the most is just having new game of thrones content that might actually wash the ashes of season eight out of our mouths mm -hmm. same hat all right jonathan what about you 
What are you most looking forward to from House of the Dragon? Just that it's on and it exists. I haven't really thought about what I'm most looking forward to in the show. What I'm most fearful of is there'll be no mushroom. But uh, <laughs> but I have not. I really haven't thought about what I'm most looking forward to. To be honest, I just I just I'm excited for new Song of Ice and Fire content. As much as people hated the last few seasons of the show. I still found them extraordinarily entertaining and enjoyed watching them, even though it was a relative train wreck. Um, so, you know, as long as it's competent in quality, uh, actually, maybe that's a bad thing. If it's competent, it will be disappointing. If it's really bad or really good, I'll love it. <laughs> I mean, George R. R. Martin ha is way more involved in this than he was in Game of Thrones. He actually handpicked the showrunner for this, so I have high hopes. Hopefully not too high. <laughs> well, I mean, I think what's really most interesting about this is we've read this story as a history book. So yeah. we do not have the details of dialogue and and character development that a show will will emphasize compared to reading a history novel, a history book. But I think that's where it's got a huge like heads up on Game of Thrones is mm -hmm. that we don't have that. So they they have the story to follow, right? But they can expand upon it like as much as they want. And we don't we're not stuck on a whole bunch of specifics. Nami, what about you? Well, I'm a cosplayer at heart, so I'm honestly looking forward to the cosplay. And you're right, I'm also looking forward to like the extra detail, because like full disclosure, I have not gotten around to reading Fire and Blood, because all my brain does when I look at it, it goes, Silmarillion. Not again. And, <laughs> and, and no, 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 no. It is not it is not the Silmarillion. I can tell you that. And like, see, like logically, I know that, but like that that needier that needy fear is still within me. And also, the book is like yeah, big, and my body just goes no. <laughs> I have commitment issues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just really excited for more Game of Thrones cosplay. Um, like costuming the co the co like costuming talent that has come out of like people trying to recreate these costumes and the intention to things like embroidery ever since that has been absolutely astonishing and connections that you get in the fandom because of that is also great i'm a part of like so many like daenerys costuming groups like sansa costuming groups like marjorie costuming groups even though the uh, like i only cosplayed like dorn and like sansa this one time and like it's it's just really great to like have all of these communities that are like so built around like learning how to make these costumes and like figuring out how to make this the most accurate way as possible or like if you can't afford like the accurate stuff because like obviously that's like very price prohibitive also like finding ways to get around that like and like making it look as screen accurate as possible without breaking the bank and it's like it's really cool fandom stuff and i'm excited to see that continue because um it's just it's a lot of good vibes on the internet that we're in in the internet which is not always filled with good vibes so hype for that i am hyped for more content and i'm also hyped just to see matt smith doing things in a fandom that i'm interested in again because because i do love that lad i'm excited for him to be you know evil instead of just like vaguely unhinged and wearing a fez so that'll be interesting and also i'm excited because dragons were the beginning and not this like weird like 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 will they won't they make the dragons good for like five seasons and or, or, or will they just make dragons and ghost just disappears? 
Right, we, right. We, we get we get no ghosts. John can't even like pet him goodbye because they're too busy making dragons. He ghosted us well, for dragons. Well, I, I actually read something where the ironically they said it was much easier to do a reptilian dragon with the special effects than it was to make a wolf yeah. look real. Yeah, I think I read that too. Makes sense. Fur is hard. Hair is hard. Nami, have. have you watched Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yes, oh, I it's have. great. Okay, because that's one. It's just a fun movie, and two, you get to get a little bit of Matt Smith being a villain. So, oh, okay. Well, but uh, I'll I, second I Pride and Prejudice that. for Zombies. It is much better than the original. Oh, boo! Well, the book come or on, the original Jonathan. Pride and Prejudice. Well, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really, I realize like in the same way that I dislike Temeraire because of like all of like the high society manners dialogue that happened, that that's also the same reason that I'm not super into like Regency romance a la Jane Austen. Like I'll read it, I'm fine with it, but also at the same time, there's a tiny ball of rage inside me at the prospect. Adding in zombies is fantastic, and the movie is a lot of fun. So, check it out. Well, so for my part, I'm really excited to see the opening theme. Weirdly enough, that's one of those things about Game of Thrones that I never had a complaint about. I feel like they have a lot to to live up to. The opening theme of Game of Thrones, the music, everything about it was always amazing. The storytelling they did through that opening theme was amazing. So I'm really excited to see what they do with that. I am super excited for Corliss Valerian. I love that they cast a person of color in a role that based on Martin's text, you wouldn't have assumed. The Valerians are Targaryen relatives, right? So everybody just assumes, including Linda, that they should be white. And the fact that they cast a person of color, that also opens up a lot of other roles for people of color because Corliss has children. So I'm really excited about, this is an amazing character, right? Like in Fire and Blood, the book, you get so much about the sea snake and the fact that I think that if House of the Dragon does well, there's a very good chance that they're going to do a prequel series about his voyages in which they will cast another, it will have to be somebody younger, but they will cast another person of color. And I'm also, I'm excited for some content that will maybe wash out that sand in the mouth. Like nobody likes mm. sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> and it I got like in, sand. It got it's in so, the mouth. With it's coarse and rough. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, there were several seasons of Game of Thrones that were coarse and rough, and nobody wanted them. Uh, My name is Nami Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Anybody have last thoughts before we close out? I can't believe that this is our 50th episode. I can't believe that it's been yeah, it's less than an hour and 40 that. minutes, and we have gotten through all of our discussion. <laughs> you did a great outline. I, I am a little bit sick and sleepy, so um, I am I am less uh, interjecty, chatty, rambly than usual. Well, it's our fiftieth episode uh, in October. We'll have been going for two years. Crazy, wow. wild, crazy, and so, we're finally 
getting to the series that you got me into this podcast to do. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I was putting it off because I was waiting for another book announcement. And now we're doing it. We're doing it live. <laughs> Even though the next book isn't coming out till May of next year, and there's apparently a seventh book that nobody was planning on. But, you know, hey, as we close out the episode, we want to give a shout out to our Heroes Tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Thank you so much for supporting us. Once again, I'm Tara, along with Nick, Jonathan, and Nami. Don't forget that you can always hit us up at Sagas and Sass on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email us at sagasandsass at gmail.com with any comments or thoughts you might have. We will be back on Wednesday, September 21st to kick off our fourth season, which will be Ooh. the most in-depth coverage we've ever provided on Pierce Brown's incomparable red rising saga if you haven't yet read this series we highly suggest picking it up it's basically a sweeping space opera with greek and roman influences and again if you have not read it you're definitely missing out so we hope to see you next month thank you for listening to the sagas and sass podcast follow us on facebook Instagram or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.